right, I need uh, I need two willing volunteers. Um, Lewis and, and Dewey, thank you all for volunteering. Oh, where did he go? He took off on me. Cliff, come on up here, buddy. He's not going to manhandle you. This is, this is a game of finesse. This is a game of, uh, of fun. Um, so here's, here's what we need to do. Um, Cliff, we're going to have to readjust this for you. Yep, readjust it. Make it fit. Make it fit. I'm sorry. Well, I apologize for that. Um, y'all seen this game, Minute to Win It? Some of you have. Some of you have seen it because I'm making it popular. All right. Ah, nice. It's the only hats I had. I had a TCU hat. Um, but uh, and you'll want to turn it around backwards. Okay. Now here's the deal. This minute to win it. This minute to win it show. It has uh, minute games. Sixty seconds. Uh, and Larry, we're going to need to put up a, a minute on the clock here. I think it's set, but uh, just just get ready. Um, one minute game, and here's the deal with this bobblehead. You got pedometers, and well, we got instructions. Can we go ahead and, and play these instructions for us? Bobblehead. A pedometer is designed to sense body motion and count footsteps while walking or running. In this challenge, however, it will be used to count head jerks. With the pedometer attached to their forehead, the contestant must accumulate 125 clicks. Failure to complete this task in 60 seconds may result in elimination. <laughs> well, you volunteered, so... Um... Okay, so, so y'all get it? You got to reach 125. Here's the thing about this. 125 is easy. So we're going to play the man with the most head bobs wins. Okay? Can we... I, the band, the band, y'all know Kid Rock? I don't know if they got Kid Rock. <laughs> we're, we're taking requests for the band now. You got Skinnered? Wayne's World soundtrack. All right, so make sure this thing's on tight, because if it's not on tight, then it's going to fly off. Um, can we put a minute up on the clock? All right, on you, you ready? Are you, all right, you just, you just do, 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 do it like that. Okay, all right, we're going to restart it here in just a second. All right. All right, let's go ahead and give them, give them something they, they can work with. Y'all go ahead and get started. I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, you guys ready? All right. <laughs> nice. All right, on your mark, get set, go. Right now, I think. But 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Do 
It only appears they can't move the second and third vertebrae. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, there you go. All right, give them a round of applause, everybody. Let's see what we got here. Let's see what we got. All right, we got 154 to Dewey's 104. So, Dewey... Dewey gets props for doing more of a like a chicken dance or something over there, though. So, you sweating? Who's sitting next to you? Oh, it's good. It's just your wife. No, that's that's nice. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, you probably would have lost the date if you were just dating right then. Wow. I'm not really sure how to go any further with that. So let's just pray. We're dismissed. And no. Uh, my goodness. Well, here's the deal. As we've been talking about this whole series, we've been talking, this series is called Simple. And we've been talking about how following God is simple. It's not necessarily easy. Those things don't really necessarily go hand in hand. It's not always easy, but it is simple. And, and just like this game, it's a simple game, Yet, it's not that easy to do. When, when uh, we were doing it, Leave and I, and uh, we had Cliff and Mystica over. Cliff actually had, had yeah, he, he cheated. Okay, so forfeit to Cliff, you get the prize. Um, I have a Home Depot card for, for you. Or no, a Lowe's card uh, for participating. Um, so here's the deal. It's not always easy to do these things. And, and uh, I got up to one, like 150 or 160 or 170. When I did it, but I couldn't stand and walk straight for the next 24 hours. You know, I was just, just sitting there doing that. That hurt right there, you know. Um, and so we have been looking at in this series about how following God is simple. It's it's not complicated to follow God. And if you find somebody that tries to make it complicated or you find out that you are making it complicated, then chances are you're not actually following God. You're creating rules and doing certain things here and there that that God's just like, man, what are you doing? It, it's actually simple to follow God. Uh, and we looked two weeks ago at Matthew and how Jesus walked up to him and said, hey, Matthew, I just want you to follow me. And so Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. Jesus didn't say, Matthew, I want you to change your life first. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then come follow me. He just said, Matthew, follow me. Because here's what's hap- what happens when you begin to follow Jesus. You hang out with Jesus. And for us, when we follow Jesus, we're, we're hanging out with other Christians. And we see things in them that we really like, that we wish we had. I still do that to this day. When we, when we are following Jesus, we're in his word. And we're, we're looking at Jesus himself and we're looking at the principles that God lays out in scripture. And we say, I like this. This is good stuff. I need, I need to get on board with this. And then what we, what we do is we begin to pray and we're, we're praying and, and we start to feel like, wait a minute, this is, this prayer thing, I'm, I, it's, it's, I think, is that my thought, or is that God? What, what was, whoa, what was that? I think God just spoke to me. Can that happen? Is that real? Yes, and God starts speaking to you, and you realize it's God. And then, here's what, here's what's, what's amazing, what happens uh, a lot of times next. And sometimes you can do this first, but you begin to believe. You begin to believe that Jesus is who he says he was. You begin to believe that, hey, 
this stuff is making sense. That this could be true. I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And, and when he did, I believe that he was perfect. And therefore, he was able to take my sins. And you know what I believe? I believe that God did raise him from the grave. Let me, let me rephrase that. He raised him from being dead. No heartbeat. No breathing. Just dead. And he made him alive again. And today, right now, this is what we talked about last week, he sits at God's right hand. On the right hand, that's the, that's the symbolism of power, authority. It's a symbolism. It's the symbol of you are my man to make things happen. And, God, and Jesus sits at God's right hand. We believe that. I believe that. Now, this is good stuff. And here's your first point today. And I ended with this last week. The goal is to be so convinced of who Jesus is. The goal is to be so convinced of who Jesus is and so grateful for what Jesus has done that you willingly choose to do what Jesus says. The goal is to be so convinced of who Jesus is and so grateful for what Jesus has done that you willingly choose to do what Jesus says. His initial invitation was to follow, whether it's through listening or reading, whether it's through seeing, experiencing, whatever that may be, and then you believe. And listen, and then you will then you will come to a crossroads. Then you will come to a place where you realize believing is not going to be enough. Because the next step comes. And this, this is the hardest thing to do. And that is to obey. That is to obey. This is where people in, in Christianity... Bail like crazy. I mean, they're jumping ship. I mean, they are taking on. They're, they're, they leave in droves when it comes to obedience. Obedience is not easy. Obedience is simple. It is simple. Um, this is why Jesus asks us to follow first. We know what we're getting into. This is why we believe in who he is. We know who he is. And then he says, all right, it's time to obey. It's time to listen to me. It is time to take action. And so we see in Scripture people who obeyed willingly. They didn't obey like, oh, okay, Jesus, okay, I hear you. They obeyed willingly. Listen, even to the point of death, the 11 guys who were left out of his 12 uh, apostles, they, well, take the 10 if you take out, um, take out Judas, you have 11. John was the only one that was believed to have lived and not been crucified or beheaded or murdered. And yet tradition, it's not in Scripture, but tradition says that they all went out singing praise songs to God. They all went out glorifying God. Peter wanted to be hung upside down on the cross because that, he didn't want to 
die the same way Jesus did. He didn't. He felt that was sacrilegious. I mean, they died willingly. And I know missionaries that do the same and have done the same. And God, our Heavenly Father, asks us to obey. And for you, you probably don't have to die, which should make it a whole lot easier when you think about it, right? These, these things that are huge to you, they're actually pretty simple, though they may not be easy. They may not be easy. And unfortunately, we've, we've gotten this backwards a lot of times. A lot of times we think, okay, we've got to obey first. And then we can believe, or then we can follow it. It's not the way Jesus does it. Jesus says, you follow me. You believe in me. And you obey. You can believe in me. You can follow me. And you can obey. Because you can obey, but if it's not out of a heart that is living for God, it is because you're doing it to be good. Does that make sense? Everybody with me on this? You're, you're following God just so you can try to earn your way into heaven. And, and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Ain't no earning here. I've already paid for it. You got your ice cream. You can eat it too. It's good stuff. I've already paid for this. By my son. So, we see examples of this in, in Scripture. People who obey and, and not people who obey or else. You know what I'm saying? Take, take the, uh, the Israelite people. The nation of Israel that, that God said, you're my people. They're enslaved in Egypt, okay? And God t- calls Moses. He said, you, you're going to set my people free. Y'all have all seen the cartoon, right? The movie is a great movie. And, 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 and so he said, you're going to set my people free. So what does he do? He says, he says, all right, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this first. And then I'm going to set you free. No, he doesn't do that at all. Here's what he says. He, here's what he does, rather. He says, Pharaoh, here's nine, ten plagues. Israelites are shielded from them. And then he takes the Israelites and he, he moves them out of Egypt. And Pharaoh's army comes rolling after them. So he takes them out of slavery. That's a big deal, right? Big deal. And then, as the, Israelite are, as the Israelites are leaving and walking through a lake, which has been parted for them, okay, big deal, right? Doesn't happen every day. The army comes in after them. Pharaoh's army comes in after them. God squashes them. And then, they're out in the desert, and what happens? God feeds them. Brings manna, literally from heaven. I mean, how cool is that, you know? kind of hungry plop here's a loaf of bread you know i mean pretty cool he takes care of them and then what happens they're in mount sinai and god says here here's a few things that i'd like for you to follow these are these are not rules it's parameters so we can have a relationship what do the israelites say well actually they kind of screwed it up a little bit but for me and you if that happens we're kind of like dude i'll do whatever you say you're parting rivers and lakes. You're, 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 you're killing off armies. You're setting us free from... I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Y'all ever, y'all ever been in a situation where you got yourself into some serious trouble and then somebody just kind of bailed you out? You know what I'm saying? I've told y'all this story before, but uh, I'll just tell it again real quick. Uh, when it was Christmas time, and me and my friend Brian were walking down the street, and he jacked a big old bow off of a, a, a mailbox. And uh, 
some guy saw us and was like, what are you doing? And we took off running with the bow. I don't know why, you know. Uh, we were thugs in high school. Um, no, this was yesterday. No, we were thugs in high school. And um, so we took off running and we got to his house. We thought that we lost this guy. And um, we're sitting there huffing and puffing on his couch, you know, kind of giggling to ourselves like, hey, we got away with it. You know, what are we going to do with a bow? What do we care? Um, ding dong. Brian, you're going to get that? This is mom. Yeah, this is mom. Brian, you're going to get that? Okay. Um, Brian just kind of sits there. Ding dong. We knew we were in trouble, right? So she comes down to the door. She's aggravated at us. Why aren't we, why aren't we getting the door? We're huffing and puffing in the living room. And she opens the door. Ma'am, do you have two two sons? Um, yeah, I guess so, you know, because I'm not her son. And uh, they, stole, they stole a bow and, you know, explains the whole deal. And she goes, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. You know, and right then, if this had been my father or my mom, I knew that my life was over, all right? I mean, I just, it, it, it's over right there. I mean, I'm grounded for months on end. This was uh, the dumbest thing I've ever done, you know, all this stuff. I, I can just see the talk I'm getting right there. And, and she walks in, and we're huffing and puffing, and my eyes are about as big as dinner plates going, is she going to pull out the belt? I am a teenager now. Do they, do they still do that? My dad would beat me to any from my life. You know, and I'm just sitting, and she goes, all right, take the bow back. That's it? Yeah, take the bow back. What were you thinking? Well, it was him. He wasn't. Um, just take the bow back. That's it. That was it. To this day, she is the most godly woman I know. You know what I'm saying? And she, I mean, she really is. She's, a, she's an amazing woman. Uh, and, and, and to this day, I look back on that, and I think, she bailed me. She never told my parents, you know. Um, this, I guess this can't go up on the website because um, now I've told my parents. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I look back, and I just, I'm so thankful to her. I'm so thankful. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody has bailed you out. What do you want to do for them? You will do anything for them. From that day forward, I would do anything, anything for Miss Me. And so to the degree that that person is sacrificed for you, you're willing to sacrifice for somebody else, aren't you? And we should feel the same about our Savior. We should feel the same about our Heavenly Father. Paul says, it's not up on the screen, just listen. Paul says, or do you know in Romans 2, 4, do you, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. It's your kindness. It's His kindness that leads us toward repentance. The other thing that we need to understand here is that when somebody asks us to do something, it, it really is kind of a natural thing for us to go, well, what's, what's in it for me, right? What, what am I getting out of this, right? I mean, somebody says, hey, can you, can you help me do this? You know, hey, you got a pickup truck. Can you, help me, can you help me move? You know, you're thinking... All right, I want pepperoni mushroom pizza. You know, I, I, there's there's pizza and coke in this, right? There, there better be something. And 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 like I say, this this is the major jumping off point for many people who have followed and who have believed. This is the major jumping off point because this is the point to where it requires sacrifice. This is the point to where it requires us to leave cultural norms. Y'all with me? 
This, when it comes to obedience and saying, God, I will follow, I will obey. Okay, I will obey. This is where our life has to change. You want us to move out? You want us to move to another place? You want us to to forgive? You want us to to confess? You want want me to to do what, God? Oh, God. Give up my, my weekend activities? I Hang on now, God. We're, we're, we're getting a little personal here, right? You want me to, to, to give generously? Yeah, I love you, but hang on now, God. This is, this is tough stuff. And here's the thing. I believe, I believe God, and I want to keep following, but whoa. Slow down here. This relationship's going too fast. This is the tough part, because as I've said, and as many of you know, as many of you know people, many of us know people here in this church itself, this is the jumping off point. The part where we obey is the crossroads for many of us. And it's hard. So, here's the thing. Jesus actually addresses this very thing. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus addresses this, this, uh, this issue at the end of his most famous and his most demanding message. He's, he's up on this mount, this, it's really a hill, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And here's, here's some of the, the stuff that he unloads on them. It's basically a new value system. And he, he takes them and he just sets their heads spinning, basically. He says things like, listen, uh, I know you know adultery is sin, but uh, lust is a sin as well and and there's there's no difference you lust you're sinning i know somebody's harmed you but you need to turn the other cheek revenge is not in my vocabulary unless it's for me and me alone i will take care of judgment someone wants to wants a favor from you you do the favor and you do it even more you do more than what they ask money you got a lot, you got a little, doesn't matter. You give it away. You give it away. Forgive no matter what. Even, even if it feels like you're letting them get by. <laughs> That's the one that gets me, right? Okay. Pursue people who have wronged you and make it right. Y'all hear this? Pursue people who have wronged you and you make it right. Treat everyone the way you would want to be treated. And you can, just, you can just imagine the look in their eyes is like, how in the world am I possibly going to apply this to my life? Are you, you know, this is where people start going, Jesus, you're nuts. You are crazy. You've got to be out of your mind. And so knowing that he didn't have time to deal with every individual because there were probably thousands of people that were sitting here hanging on with him, listening to him, he ends his message with a parable. And it's a parable to motivate people to obedience. This is a parable about doing versus not doing. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew seven twenty four. Matthew seven twenty four. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
Y'all hear that? Practice. This is a lifestyle. This is, this is who you are. This isn't who you wish you were. This isn't who you want to be. This isn't what you, what you wish would happen in your life. This is you. This is a practice, something you do on a daily basis. When I played basketball uh, in, in, in junior high, we practiced after school for two, two and a half hours, on Saturdays for four hours. I hate red lines. Anybody know what red lines are? I mean, they are the most hideous things in the world. Awful. But when we played the game, I was never winded. Never winded. Because we ran red lines. We practiced all the time. So we were ready for something that came up against us. Uh, therefore, anyone who puts these words of mine and puts, takes these words of mine, here's these words of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So do y'all, y'all see what's going on here? This is smart. Jesus says, this is wise. You are a wise person if you take the words that I'm saying and you put them into practice, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Because when you are living a lifestyle of following God, you begin to think long term. This isn't, Jesus wasn't giving the Sermon on the Mount saying, you know, if, if you don't do this, I'll go into hell. Hell in the handbasket for you. It, it, that's not his point. His point is this. You follow these words of mine, long term, Things are going to work in your favor because you work for my favor. Let's not get selfish about this, okay? Let's not think, oh, if I follow God, then things are going to work out and be a multimillionaire. No, 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 no. You follow God, and he makes things work out for him, and you're along for the ride. You will be a wise person. And then it says, verse 25, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The obedience that we see here is laying a foundation on something that is secure, that is solid. And so you need to ask yourself this question. What is my life built upon? What is my life built upon? That's not one of your points. That's just a question you should ask yourself. What is my life built upon? Because this storm was big time. This was Katrina Forest winds. He's built next to a stream. But what did he do? He walked up the hill a little bit. He said, all right, we need to dig here, and we need to dig down till we hit rock. I don't want to be building on sand. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Same storm, same type of storm, same place. These guys are next-door neighbors. One guy got his house done real quick. He moved in. He got it painted. He got the, he got the trim up. Everything looked great. He was having a party while his neighbor was still building and digging down. Two years later, storm comes. The stream rises. And guys, you're going to have a storm come in your life, maybe one, two, three, three hundred. And if you are, don't, do not have a foundation, of your, the foundation of your life built upon Jesus Christ, things are going to start to waffle. 
when your house is going to start to fall apart and things are going to slide down the hill. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, verse 29, because he had taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Now, here's the deal. The, the teachers of the law, they were, they were always threatening, basically. They were, if you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do this. Jesus isn't threatening. He's just saying, listen, if you follow me, this is a wise thing to do. Long term, you make out. Short term, it may look good. But if you build your house on sand long term, it's just not going to work for you. It's just not going to work for you. He's talking. He's not threatening hell. He's not threatening you got to do this. He's, he's talking about your future. He's not saying, you know what? I don't know. You guys are just, just do it. we know above all down here. If we build on, on just the just soft little dirt we've got, you know, river dirt, these things start to sink. That's why our doors don't shut. We got cracks in our walls, right? I mean, this is scary stuff down here. We know above all about this parable here. He's saying that it doesn't work long term the other way. Here's what he's saying. I'm not trying to get you to obey me so I can love you. I'm trying to get you to obey me because I love you. You're going to hit bumps financially, relationally, professionally. And I don't want your life to fall down. Listen, many of you are in your 20s. And if you follow this now and you commit to this now, oh my goodness, you will look back and you will say, this was the smartest thing I ever did in my life. The goal is to be so convinced of who Jesus is and so grateful for what Jesus has done that you willingly choose to do what Jesus says. Now, it, it, with this parable, you are one of three things. You're in one of three places. But for everybody, for all of us, this parable comes as a promise. You're in one of three things. Uh, point number two, A. For those of you that are seeking to build your lives around the teachings of Jesus, take heart. This is comfort. This is comfort. Morally, this is comforting. You know that you can follow a path and not look back on regrets. You're raising a family and all the sacrifices that it means take comfort because God has you built on the rock. For your marriage, it's solid. Take comfort. For your finances, even though at times it seems counterproductive, it seems like, oh my goodness, this is, what are we doing? Why are we saving when we could have all this stuff? Even though it seems counterproductive, take comfort because it's the right thing to do. For your business and you leading in a godly manner, take comfort. For what you allow to go into your, your minds, into your hearts, take comfort in knowing that you, when you protect your heart and your mind, this is a big deal. This is huge. And God is pleased. Now, for those of you who maybe didn't know any better, or maybe maybe you, you kind of wrote it off as as uh, irrelevant, these these things that God says, this is a warning. This is a warning. Maybe you think, well, you know, 
obedience is, is so inconvenient, it's so, it's so difficult, it's so hard, and I, I just don't see the consequences. I know I should rethink my priorities, but, but, but what's the harm? I don't see any of the consequences. I, I know I should be more careful about what I do put into my mind and my heart, but what's, what's the harm? I don't, I don't see the consequences. I know, I know what the Bible teaches about, about sex, and I know what the Bible teaches about, oh, here's one, how about taxes? I know what the Bible teaches that give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to you know, Uncle Sam what belongs. I know, but seriously, I mean, what's, what's the harm? Well, the harm is, what's the consequences? You get thrown in jail, like, you, know, you get arrested, tax fraud. It's the harm. You might be able to see that, but some of these things you just don't see. But listen, here's the thing. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And we need to trust in our Savior. This may be a warning to us. Because time will tell on these issues. And the problem is, you just don't have that much time. You only have one year to be 21. You only have one season to be in your 30s. You only have one body that you can, can have. That is it. You don't have time. It flies by like that. My son was born like yesterday, and he's four now. I mean, it's just gone. You know, I looked at him the other day, I'm like, dude, you're a boy. You know, you're no longer a, a baby, you're, you're no longer a toddler, you're a boy. You know, and he gets out of bed, and he's got all this ruffled hair, and he's like, hey, Dad, you know. I mean, next thing you know, he's going to be shaven, you know. Whoa, hang on. For others of you, you may be right in the middle of a storm, and all you want is explanation. You may be right in the middle of a storm, and all you want is explanation. And you're, you're standing on the riverbank, and you're actually watching your life just kind of float away. And you may be mad at God, or think God's mad at you, or, or, or angry at you, but let me throw this out at you. Could this be, could it be that you have actually just built your life on sand, and not the rock, and God is not angry, just that you have been on such an unstable foundation with your life. All you want is explanation. You want to know what's going on with your marriage, your kids, your business, your, your reputation. And so perhaps God has you here today so that you can understand. And for you, this is an invitation to take your stuff, what you have left, and walk up the hill and begin to dig down and build on the rock. To build a life based upon Christ. For you, this is a do-over. It's no surprise, it shouldn't be any surprise, that people who, who go through this, these horrible times in life come back to Christ. Or they come to the church and they show up here. It was no surprise to me that when 9-11 happened, people flooded the churches. Atheists, agnostics. Because there is no way to control the future. And so you need to understand that some of us, maybe you, have a foundation built upon sand. Because at the end of the day, this is point number three, at the end of the day, the question that you have to ask yourself is this. At the end of the month, end of the week, end of the year, this is the question you need to ask yourself. Who are you going to trust? 
Who are you going to trust? Do you trust your ability to anticipate the future? Do you trust your ability to be able to to see what's coming? Or do you trust your Savior? Do you trust that you've got it all together? And maybe right now you do, but do you trust that what's coming, yeah, I'll be able to find a job, no problem. Do you trust in your abilities to tell the future? Or do you trust in the one who actually controls? the future, who actually watches over you and takes care of you. Do you trust your Savior? I can tell you my mother, who was in a wheelchair from a car accident, did not anticipate the future. Nobody anticipates that. Nobody even wants to think about it. But the future is not yours. It's not yours for your life. It's not yours for your family. It's not yours for for this church, for this world. You don't control it. But when something happens and your life is built upon rock, your life is built upon the most stable thing that there is, that being Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. He is constant. He never changes. And that's, you know, what's so cool about that is that he loves us so much. And that's never Never, but I digress. At the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, who are you going to trust? Solomon says it this way. Trust in the Lord. It's not up on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Don't trust yourself. Even when it logically makes sense, even when you got it together and the answer fits, don't necessarily trust yourself. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. That sidewalk leading out from the front door of your house that you've built on the rock, it goes straight to the road. It's straight. Your path, your life works. Maybe short term, it seems a little frustrating, but long term, it works. And Jesus makes it work. We need to understand that at the end of the day, this is a parable about faith. This is a parable about whose advice you're going to trust. Are we going to take Jesus' word or are we going to take our own? Can we step out in obedience and say, I follow you? Because, listen, we live in a society... Where we see the examples, right? I mean, we live in a society where we look at our friends, our neighbors, at our coworkers, whatever, and we can see rock and we can see sand, right? And we see the lady in the cubicle next to us breaking down on a daily basis because her marriage fell apart because of mistakes that she regrets and wishes she had back. I went out with some friends, our neighbors, last night, and I saw sand saw sand we love them to death and they had some friends come in we we're celebrating a birthday it was just i was i just felt like i was watching houses and everything was they were in that period where they were in the house having the party and the storm hadn't come yet and i just thought god we need to get to know these people we need to invest in their lives because when that storm hit i think we're the only people that they know that have a, a foundation built on rock We live in a society full of these illustrations. 
And for some of us, all we've got to do, really, let's be honest, is look in that rearview mirror, right? I mean, we, we look back and we, oh. Some of us, maybe right now, we can look in the mirror. And we say, we've got to move. We're getting out of this house and we're selling it to some other chump. Because we've got to get into a house that's built on the rock. Let me tell you guys this. Following, believing, that's the easy part. Obedience, obey, that's hard. Attending, coming up here on Sunday, making the effort to get up in the morning, that's great. I'm proud of you guys. Hearing me, what I say, none of this is life-changing. It's not. Attending and hearing, it's not life-changing. Obeying what Jesus says, obeying what hopefully he is speaking out of me or any other speaker that's up here, whatever you hear, obeying, that is life changing. And so if you're at that crossroads and you're looking to go left your own way or right with Jesus, I beg of you to choose Jesus. Because if you go left, you might as well be going backwards. You might as well start walking out your back porch and just jump in the river because your house is starting to fall. It's starting to crumble. Your last point. Jesus calls us to follow, to believe. It's easy. And then he challenges us to obey. And that's hard. And some of it doesn't make sense in Scripture. Some of it is just kind of like... Seriously, that just seems so archaic. That just seems so old. But he calls us to obey. And some of you may be ready to bail. But I got to tell you, the goal is to be so convinced of who Jesus is and so grateful for what he has done that you willingly choose to obey. You willingly choose to do what Jesus said. Because if you do, you will not bail, you will not jump ship, you will follow and obey, and in five years, I promise you, I promise you, you will look back on your life, and you will say, that was the smartest decision I ever made. You may be in a wheelchair, but you will never regret. Continue to follow him because you know he controls your future. You won't bail. You won't jump ship. Choose to obey. Father, I pray that though this message can be so hard, and Father, it's hard for me. I pray you give us strength. I pray that you give us wisdom. I pray that we will build our lives upon your principles even if they seem weird, even if they seem archaic, even, even if they don't fit with our life right now, I pray that we will just throw up the hand to them. God, I pray that we just, we turn and we repent of things that are not of you. Because we know that if we follow you and we believe in you, you eventually are going to ask us to obey. For many of us here, you have already asked us to obey and so father whatever we have in our minds right now 
Whatever it is that you've asked us to do to be obedient to you for, give us courage, give us the ability to just step out and say, I follow you, and I will not look back. I will trust you, and I will not look back, because, Father, we know that this is the crossroads in our relationship with you. Help us to choose to obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.